1 p.m. on the East Coast, the 12th of February, Monday. Letter G, Guy Dami, Dan Nathan, soon to be joined by the great Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting for Market Call. The Rangers play tonight. Shesterkin will be in net. The best commercial yesterday by leaps and bounds was the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, J-Lo, Tom Brady, and whomever else Dunkin' Donuts ad. Absolute genius. That was the best part of the evening. Dan Nathan, how are you? Um, yeah, it was kind of the best part of the evening, um, except the the final. I mean, I think it was kind of exciting and a pretty pretty beat game overall, I would say. And if you said to me, you know, you kind of average two and a half games a week watching in the NFL for 20 weeks, right? Right up to the Super Bowl. I, I would say that that was one of the worst games that I've watched all year. How about that, guy? I Well, I don't know. Worst in terms of performance, errors. Yeah, I mean, like, calling. Yeah, it was just like, 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 fine. All right, whatever. The fourth quarter was fine. Um, I, you know what? Like, here's one question I have for you. Um, but it was I'm, a heavyweight fight. I thought, you know, two teams just giving each other their yeah. best blows. Yeah, I thought Purdy played a great game and, and good on him. He, he like, he's going to have uh, obviously a fantastic career. Um, question for you though, guy. Mm, you, know, you look at those guys, like all those, like the guys that Affleck and, and, and Brady and all these like AA list celebrities, right? Mm-hmm. It looks like one is trying to out jack off the other. Like, 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 I just don't get that. Like, like when the most people, are watching, you know what I mean? Like one of the most watched things on TV globally, and you're already a big established star to make yourself look about as dumb as you possibly could. I just don't get that. Do you get that? Confidence because it speaks to, you know, they're having fun. They're, I mean, they're hearkening back to their days in high school and they're allowed to do it. I mean, I think they're brilliant for doing it. They don't take themselves that seriously. No, but it's not just those guys. It's not just, it's just, it's just like every commercial. All right, whatever. Um, some weird stuff going on in the markets. Again, I feel like we keep start. We keep saying this. I, I mean, we got, you know, I mean, like, it, it's just like, I, I don't even know what to do or say um, about some of the stuff that's going in the semis. Um, Carter's going to help us think about it from a technical standpoint. How about mm-hmm. that guy? No, it, it helps. Yeah. Well, it's always best to start at the beginning with our rundown because, oh, yeah. you know, it allows people to sort of know what we're going to be talking about over the next now 27 minutes. But Stocks are trading at extremes. It's not just us saying that. We'll actually show you what we mean by that. Some bearish SMH options trades for you folks out there from Dan Nathan. And the next great rotation, rotate and serve. We'll see where that comes from. But let's look at a little of these extremes. Well, I mean, if you want to bring in Carter, we can do it now or we can look at the extremes. But you know, the S&P 500 continues to sort of rage. I'll tell you what's encouraging today, Dan. And there's the S&P chart. We actually highlighted this sort of channel that we're in and Carter mentioned, you know, we could still grind up towards, I want to say the upper end of that channel is probably now North of 5,200 with each passing day actually gets higher. So we'll see if that continues to play out. But the thing that I'm most impressed with today, well, there are two things that I'm taking away. The fact that the Russell is back to that sort of 204 level ish in the IWM, I think is very encouraging having traded down to 190. So that is showing signs. I think, um, you have to take that into consideration. The flip side of that coin is on a day like today, the VIX is actually somewhat elevated, trading north of 13 and a half. So 
there are a lot of weird things to your earlier point going on yeah. today. Well, I think the, the most important one you made is the fact that, yeah, we can continue to grind in the S&P 500. But if the Russell 2000 were to break out of this range that it's been in for 18 months or so, um, that would confirm the highs in the S&P um, and, and maybe kind of, you know, maybe you do see some rotations um, away from the stuff that's driving um, the S&P 500. Yeah, mm. look at that range. You see what's going on there. Um, the other thing is this is in the face of a 10-year U.S. trade Treasury yield that's at 4.16. It's in, you know, crude oil is, you know, just below $77 off of, you know, a 72 uh, low just a week and a half ago. So there's plenty of things that are, you know, in the stock market that kind of make you think, okay, maybe, maybe uh, it can stay irrational to our minds longer than if you are short of this, uh, then you can stay solvent. We have CPI tomorrow morning. There are a bunch of earnings. You and I talked about them this morning on the On The Tape podcast. Um, Cisco to me on Wednesday is going to be really interesting. Um, Airbnb, maybe they can pull this one up, making a new 52-week high today, guy. You know, after we saw that um, kind of bloodletting in Expedia last week, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of interesting. So technicals are becoming more important. Um, I think that Carter, you know, we have the benefit of having him join us two days a week um, on Market Call, pointing out some things that are not related to the sort of fundamentals that you and I are talking about uh, on a day-to-day basis, which actually are great inputs for us to think about, you know, okay, why are some of these stocks acting this way? You know what I mean? It gives us a reason to go kind of look at them, look at the fundamentals, look at expectations, look at upcoming events and the the like here. So again, very interesting to me. Let's see what Airbnb has to say and what their guidance looks and how. Yeah, and so you might as well throw them an Expedia chart, EXPE, yeah. because you'll see, you know, a stock that had a similar run into that release. I mean, you can see from November until recently, and then obviously you went from 160 down to 131 ish in a straight line, which is actually lower than that, which is quite remarkable. And the fact that Airbnb, I mean, seemingly is resilient to that. I mean, people can say maybe it was Expedia specific. We'll see. But you know, here on the flip side of the coin, you have Airbnb. If you go in longer term chart, you'll see what I mean. I mean, this thing continues to sort of do do the dance and good for it. I mean, it's lower left to upper right. And, you know, here we are, which should be resistance levels. It's sort of this 160-ish level. You can draw that horizontal line. I only mention that because then subsequent, if you pull up an Expedia chart, you'll see a very similar formation, lower left to upper right until recently, and then you fell off the face of the earth. So, I, you know, again, I don't know what to tell you. It's it's really, it's it, it leaves you scratching your head without question. And, you know, here we are, the S&P up another 19 handles, seemingly unabated to the upside. One has to wonder, you know, what's going to derail this entire thing. So one thing I want to pull up a couple charts really uh, quickly, and, and we can call this like mind the gap. Um, you know, you just looked at that Expedia. It is filling in a bit of that gap. Let's pull up Snap for a second here, a one-year chart. Um, we know that the stock got you know absolutely creamed last week after its earnings, 35%, then went down the next day. Um Bouncing a little bit today, but again, until it really gets into that gap, I mm-hmm. think Carter would say, you know, you can continue to fade it. Another one from last week was Air Products, APD. Um, similar sort of setup here, you know, went down for a couple of days. Um, hasn't gotten into the gap yet either. Um, so it's interesting to see, you know, those sorts of formations because it seems like we spent a lot of time talking about the names um, that broke out to new 52-week or all-time highs um, and kept on going. All right, let's do it because Carter had this note out on worth charting um, this morning talking about some of these stocks have just had extreme moves. And I loved him to kind of, I, what, what I love about the note 
and you guys should all go to worthcharting.com and check it out, um, is just the fact that it's not just in the semis. You know what I mean? There are a couple very clear examples of those, but it's across some different industries. So let's bring him mm-hmm. in, Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting. Sir. Sir, man. This, uh, I mean, before you even get into the conversation, just let me say that that is a shirt, by the way, that it's a, I'm sure it's a great looking shirt in, in real life. What do the kids say, Dan? IRL, but on television or on this medium, this is the zebra look. You're so actually Correct. people, you know, you might be you know, making people motion good for, sick. Good for obfuscation. You know, you know. Yes, obfuscation. That's a great word. Anyway, sorry. Continue, please, Dan. Anyway, yeah, well, I was just going to say, you know, the lines draw themselves on Carter's shirt, just to kind of steal a little expression. (laughs) Carter, talk to us a little bit. You're doing your work over the weekend. um, And what were you seeing that caused you to write the report that you put out this morning on your service? Yeah, so we just put out a note that uh, singled out a dozen stocks, because that's a a sort of a nice round number, well-known number. Uh, that are representative of many, many more, representative of hundreds of stocks that are trading in increasingly steep uptrends and far above their respective 150-day moving averages. And we'll, we'll look at the charts maybe one at a time. But if you were to look at this table, this is this is the dozen singled out. And it's uh, the point is to show that it's not just technology. You see consumer staples in there. You've got materials, industrials, uh, information technology, of course. But the point about this is, interestingly, this is that all but one of these stocks is trading far above not only 150 million average or uh, trend, but their respective 12 month mm-hmm. price targets on the street. Um, so, uh, for instance, if you were to look at um, ANET, its price target from 15, 20 analysts who remember, they're just making up a number. They're trying very hard to predict a price target so that. Portfolio managers, endowments, mutual funds, hedge funds, uh, family also will not only respect their judgments about a stock, but base their investments on it. And the collective price target for Arista Networks, 12 months forward, is $269. Stocks trading at $285. And Abercrombie, the, the collective price target is $95 trading at 114. So it's a phenomenon, not only of the chart, but I mean, of the fundamentals, meaning people who are responsible for studying the underlying business, studying their balance sheet, their income statement, their competitors, their truck routes, their product offerings, their leverage, and then coming to a 12-month price target, they themselves have price targets that are below where the stock is trading case after case after case, every one of these stocks except one. Let's go through them. but uh, also, we might have a comparative chart. So this mm-hmm. is the basket, just to sort of for a little wow effect. This is a, a basket of those dozen stocks plotted equal weight relative to the NASDAQ 100 and to the S&P 500. So you're talking about something that's up, you know, five times that of the NASDAQ 100, which itself is up considerably. Uh, the individual stocks, we can bang through them uh, one at a time. But here, wowza. Uh, this is... Um, this is more than doubled. It's almost tripled in three months. Let's go to the next one. We'll just grind through. Uh, you know, incredible 80. And that's a phenomenon. Think about it. No one was willing to pay more than $80 from August, September, October, November, December, January. All of a sudden, they're willing to pay 150 That's incredible. Uh, keep going. Abercrombie, you know what that is. Keep going. We'll just bang through. Here, Wingstop. Look at this one. 100 to 300 So is Wingstop... Really, must have been mispriced at 150, I guess. 
or is it mispriced at 300? But this, let's take of all the things, this you can analyze. They have storefronts, they cook the wings in the back. You come in, you order the wings, you choose the sauce you want. And it speaks to the vagaries of valuation, what something's worth. It could be worth 150, it turns out, and then 300. Built this is a building products. And, and so forth. And so this was 100. Now it's doubled. And we you just bang through them. Uh, we can go one at a time. And that's that does your credit score, right? FICO uh, and so forth and so on. Just bang, bang. Let's do chart, chart, chart. Point is, it's not about what they do, right? This is a this is a material stock, 140 to 240 uh, materials, um, uh, so forth and so on. And so we have a, a phenomenon. There's NVIDIA, of course, very popular, 400, almost a double now since the October low. Um, I don't know where we are in the sequence if we're at the end of the list, but the point being, these are representative. There's plenty others. And so um, markets aren't wrong. There's no such thing as that. Markets get ahead of themselves and behind themselves. And so the question is, um, are these, at, would we take new money and get long? Should we double the longs? Uh, should we do it on leverage, buy calls, leaps? Should we sell a little bit if we are long? Should we put on a risk reversal? Meaning, you know, to each his own, but to my eye, <laughs> both from a point of view of technicals, or if one wants to cast a, a glance over to the fundamentals and what Wall Street thinks, these seem to be full. Yes. So let's go. Let's go back to that original one, sort of that where it shows the relationship between those, I think, ten stocks or so in the broader market and the decoupling. Now the the next chart. Thank you. That the decoupling. I mean, you can see and through September, the fall of September. I mean, this was making a lot of sense. Something obviously changed in late 2022. And ever since, these names have been off to the races. But understanding the reconciliation can come in a number of forms. Obviously, those other stocks catching up, uh, the overbought names seemingly uh, giving back or some amalgam of the two. You know, How does this reconcile itself, in your opinion, Carter? Well, the, the juxtaposition here was um, uh, not so much that one has to catch up to the other, because remember, we're talking about the NASDAQ 100, which, of course, mm -hmm. is driven by a handful of news. But just to, um, well, <laughs> I'll even uh, maybe just read this again. So this is what the actual note said, a handful of the most extreme dreams. And one could say, well, no, you're not, they're not dreams. NVIDIA is very real. But I wanted to title it that way. And it says a t uh, uh, they're representative of a broad phenomenon in the market in which hundreds of stocks are trading increasingly steep, uncredited uptrends and far above their respective 150 moving averages. Uh, caveat emperor, meaning who is the incremental buyer uh, oh. here that can look out on any one of these or these collectively and say, I have good upside potential three, six, nine months out. Now, a lot of people would say NVIDIA has great upside potential. But actually, Wall Street, dozens of analysts that cover it have a price target for NVIDIA that's lower than where it is now, curiously. So yeah. I, I don't know other than to say, at a minimum, who's the incremental buyer? If you're buying today one of these or all these, I think that's a uh, caveat emperor, buyer well, beware. Let, let's spend some time on the semis here for a second. And, and again, um, NVIDIA, which you just mentioned, has gained nearly $900 billion in market cap from its January lows. And, and when you talk about just kind of where the analysts are, they've been chasing the stock the whole way up um, for the last year or so. And I say to myself, okay, um, you know, whatever excitement that exists about the market opportunity and their dominance um, in, in, you know, high-end graphics chips for training AI models and the like, and 70 3% gross margins 
So it's not just a, a, a chip story. It's a software ecosystem story. It's a, on Friday, it was a design story. I mean, there's no shortage of things that people are excited about. I get it. Next week, we're going to have earnings. We'll see what happens. Let's see. They're probably going to be great earnings. It's probably going to be good guidance. But your point about Guy, how it kind of rectifies itself is relative to those expectations, right? Like, so what they put up, let's pull up this SMCI. This is Supermicro. This is a company that just joined the party to, to uh, Carter's point. It was really range bound. Look at that. I mean, look at the range that it was trading. This is a company with 15% growth margins. They don't design high-end graphics chips. There is a AI play to it, and that's what's going on here. So it's gone up you know, 150%, it's gained $25 billion in market cap. It now has a $44 billion market cap. But the problem is, this is not a company that has the margins and the leverage that NVIDIA has, right, guys? So when I think about this, I think this one's almost more of an accident waiting to happen than an NVIDIA because it's not a company that's going to get material leverage in a way. But it's also important to highlight the fact we're talking about this company that's got a $44 billion market cap guy and NVIDIA that's nearing $2 trillion. What's interesting is, I mean, obviously what you're seeing here is the lack of selling. So there's obviously a, a thirst to buy these names. And yet in order to get these names, you have to find the incremental seller. And what's happening, I think, with these moves, the incremental seller is backing farther and farther away, which just makes the chase even that much more absurd. And when you see something like this, and I think that's exactly what's going on. But again, this speaks to exactly what David Einhorn was talking about last week in yep. terms of passive investing and sort of, he used the term broken market structure, I, you know, what, and he's probably right, the changing landscape of the market. But today's a good example of that without question. But here's an interesting one today. And you mentioned ARM Holdings. Doug Cass sent us a note, but if you pull up an ARM chart, you'll see a very similar move. And again, this is a company that's going to do, you know, maybe they just guided to, I think, $4 billion of revenue. You can see that this company, I think, now trades at about 150 billion or so dollar market cap, but it's already traded 80 million shares today. Typically, trades nine. Today is a day where that buying is being somehow. There is the incremental seller. The who that seller is is I don't know, but there are obviously buyers here. There are obviously sellers here, manifesting itself in the amount of volume that's changing hands. So I would look at today's action and say this is one you want to sort of put a little. In on in terms yeah. of coming back over the next few weeks. Another that's uh, flavor of the day. I mean, this Beamer. Look at BMR. Uh, if you've seen this one going on today, look at this. Look at this job. Uh, this is all. That's a. That's. That was a dollar eighty two. No. Uh, yeah. I mean. So yeah, they don't have uh, Carter, Carter, Let's let's go back to ARM for a second here because this yeah. is actually I think really important. Okay. SoftBank sold 10% of the float of this thing, okay, back in September in an IPO at $51. You see where the stock is right now. I'm telling you, and we spent some time late last week on Market Call and on the tape and on Fast Money, the guidance that they give was not, like it, I, something fishy is going on here. I'm just telling you, like something fishy is going on here. You know, guy, talk about bookmarking things or whatever. And and again, today's price action tells you that things can stay absolutely insane longer than any of us. You know, like I'm not short in this thing. I wouldn't touch this thing on the short side. But just understand that this is not normal behavior, and it's not like this is a penny stock. It's not like whatever that BMR is. You know what I mean? This is now $145 billion market cap 
for a stock that is 10% of the float of this company. And if you don't think on March 13th, because I think that's the six months, okay, until the lockup extended from the IPO, if you don't think that SoftBank is going to bring another 10% or 20, I, I mean, like you're crazy because they just sold 10% of this company at 51 bucks six months ago, right? So these are the sorts of things that I think make sense to point out, Carter. So like when you look at this, like what do you do here? Well, right. I mean, but I'm trying to make a point. And then that other one was a penny stock. There are always penny stocks that move. But the other one's action is related to NVIDIA if you look into the news today. Okay. But the point is this is symptomatic of 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 the the tone and the flavor of, of what's going on. I mean, at a minimum, right, one could say, do you go, can you, you know, that explain you don't go broke by taking profits. But it's, it's a very hard thing. What if we took profits three days ago at 100 mm-hmm. and now it's 150? We left so much on the table. That's why it's a, it's a very hard yeah. game, right, whether you stay or go, whether you reduce. And acting in increments is really the, the only sort of prudent thing. You dump it all. You short, as you said, you wouldn't try. I wouldn't short that either. Anything that's gapping up is 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 aggressive. But at a minimum, and this speaks to the concept of what's going on, we have a mature intermediate advance in the market, October to February, a twenty three percent in the S and P, far above that, with individual constituents uh, coming in life to such an extent in such a way that uh, many things are a vulnerable extended. Yeah. No, and I just before we get Dan into your semi trade, which I think is going to be interesting, you know, again, just to point out, Arm is a is a pretty mature company. Obviously, it only went public recently, but this is a relatively mature company. In the prior three years, this is a company that did three billion dollars in revenue, three point one, three point two. That was the type of revenue and subsequent revenue growth that we're seeing. They just guided to a just slight of four billion dollars. So. You can do the math on a company that's trading $140 billion market cap. I mean, if price to revenue or price to sales means anything to you in terms of valuation or metrics, it's absurd. And, you know, in order for them to grow into a reasonable valuation, they have to do something that they haven't been able to do over the last five, six, seven years, Dan. Yeah, 100%. Um, it, it got us looking at the uh, semiconductor group as, uh, you know, we'll, we'll look at the SMH. So I just want to make one point here, though, guy. So, you know, we talk about this a lot is like, um, you know, your point about passive investing, really interesting, right? And so, it, you know, you, you make the point it works really well on the up side and it can really work poorly um, when active becomes a thing. And, you know, when some of these ETFs, the way they're constructed is that, you know, some of these stocks have outsized um, weights within them. Right. And so then it really does. You start taking it on the idiosyncratic risk mm-hmm. of that name. Right. And so so let's look at this here, because um, I want to give Carter a big shout out, you know, um, I remember in the fall when the SMH, the ETF that tracks the semiconductor sector, was approaching its prior all-time high, okay? It had been um, come off its high 25%. It outperformed to the downside from the July highs, the SMH, the, the, the S&P, which went down, I think, 10 or 11%. It went down 25%. But when it was getting back towards those prior highs, you wanted to play for a breakout. I remember on Market Call talking about the check back to that breakout level, and then you were all in on this thing, okay? And so I think it was on January 25th on Market Call, and I think also on Fast Money, you've been saying, okay, it's probably not a bad time in increments, as you said, to start taking some profits, all right? So here we are. We got a lot of funk stuff going on, ARM being importantly uh, one of them, obviously NVIDIA, a bigger one. NVIDIA is now about 24% of the ETF that tracks the semiconductor group, the SMH, okay? Next week, they're going to report earnings. The idiosyncratic risk 
of NVIDIA is very well reflected now in the SMH, in my opinion, okay? So let's look at a five-year chart of the SMH. So you see that uptrend, you see that breakout level, you see the 150-day moving average that Carter likes to track It's right at that breakdown level or breakout level, all right, from November or so, which I think is interesting. Look at that. We were all kind of pointing, or at least Guy, you and I, to that potential double top, right, from mm-hmm. the July highs, got through it, look what's happened. Obviously, NVIDIA is a big part of that. So I say to myself, all right, let's look at the options market because I think there's an event coming. I think it's NVIDIA. I can't imagine what they can do and say to get that stock continuing to go higher. But I don't want to short that stock. Maybe I'll look at the SMH, right? Let's look at the implied volatility, the price of options versus the historical vol. The blue line is implied. That is the price. The green line is historical. Not a huge spread between the two of them. While the blue line has come up off of the lows, it's still relatively cheap over the last two years. And because the historical vol is tracking it pretty close, if you're looking to make a directional bet long premium using options in the SMH, it looks pretty reasonable, all right? So I want to do that. And I want to look down, obviously, okay? And I want to look at March expiration, which is going to capture those NVIDIA earnings. And so when the SMH was trading at about 206 today, you could buy the March 205, 185 put spread, paying about $5 for that, buying one of the March 205 puts at about six and a quarter, selling one of the March uh, 185 puts at about a dollar and a quarter. That's your five dollars in premium. You break even at two hundred dollars to the downside, okay, and you have profits of up to fifteen dollars between uh, one uh, 200 and 185 with a max profit below it. So down 10 percent. That's the move that I'm playing for. I'm risking two and a half percent of the ETF price. I have a break even down about three percent and down 10 percent. I can make up to three times the premium I have at risk. And like all long premium directional sort of trades that I do, especially into events, I'm going to use a 50 percent premium stop. So if this uh, ETF goes sideways or it goes higher and this five dollar um, premium is about 250. I'm going to cut the loss there because the pro- probability of me making money on that are not particularly great. And then also, if it were to go in my direction and that $5 in premium and I'm in the money is worth 10, I'll probably look to take half off. Guys, so like, you know, playing for a 10% move between now and March expiration with NVIDIA that makes up 24% of the SMH, that is a good risk reward, in my opinion, especially with what the options are giving you and the technicals being really overextended. Yeah, I'll go back quickly. If you could go back to the original one with the blue, I think it was the red or the blue and the green lines that illustrate historical vol and vol is trading now, just in terms of not that one. Thank you. That one right there. So, your point this is what I find really interesting. You know, vol should probably be higher given everything you just outlined. But what I think is going on, and I can't obviously say this definitively, Dan, is I think people have been probably selling options probably selling naked puts in these names because quite frankly why wouldn't you they never go down and you can earn that sort of synthetic dividend so i think what's one of the reasons volatility may be muted here and you'll be able to take advantage of that now i don't know that's going on categorically but my sense is that's what's happening so i think the market is giving you a huge opportunity to do exactly that trade yeah, well, we highlighted this last week when we looked at NVIDIA and we talked about doing a collar if you're long, so giving you some room to the upside by selling an out-of-the-money call against your long stock and using that premium to buy puts. And what was unique about that is that the calls were a lot more expensive than the puts, Carter, and that's something that you don't see too often. You see right. that in manias. Talk to me about my lines on the SMH. I know this is one that you've spent a lot of time on, and you know this, brother. 
everything I know about charts. I've oh, learned yeah. So, so I, I really hope that they line up with your thinking. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously the trend line off the October low course. And if you were to turn that into a channel, which one and all are inclined to do, we're at the upper band uh, of the channel and through it. Uh, but the breakout is textbook. The check back is textbook. It's all fairly uh, prototypical and in line with some of the rules of the road of, of sort of classic uh, charting, uh, not even so-called technical analysis. Uh, but And then the question is, is this... Um, a mature intermediate advance, having moved from what one thirty-five uh, to two oh five, surely. And that at any time you swing in a direction one way or another to such an extent, it's one thing to do it over one or two days, like ARM. But yeah. that's is not ARM. It's not a stock. It's an aggregation of stocks, and it's uh, while dominated by one or two, Nvidia in particular. It is again. I would just fall back on that fairly uh, benign, but to the point. A characterization. It is by all accounts a mature intermediate advance, the October, February move from 130, 135 to 205, leaving it far above trend, the 150 day moving average, and due for some sort of counter trend move. Uh, yeah. Give back, check yeah. back, dip, sell off, decline, correction, drop, plunge. You pick your word. Well, I want. I just want to point out that that uptrend that's been in place from the October or November lows or so. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's what I'm targeting to the downside. That sure. kind of 185 level. So I'm not trying to be piggish here, and I like the risk reward of the trade. I just want to flash this one up, guy, and maybe you can give us a sense. You, you and I are we are, are proponents of ETFs. You know, when when one of the investing themes that you've heard since the beginning of time is diversification, right? And so a well-constructed ETF gives you the opportunity to, to not put all your eggs in one basket, to get, in this case, the outperformance of a name like NVIDIA, like, like we've seen, right? So now it's making up nearly 25% of the weight and it's up 50% of the year. So you benefit from that. You benefit from the diversification. TSMC couldn't get out of its own way for a better part of last year. Join the party, right? And now that is a 10% weight and it's up 28% on the year versus a NASDAQ that's up nearly 7%. And S&P is up 5%. So talk to me a little bit about it when you think of these names. We're not talking about them individually, but in Intel, a Qualcomm, they've been laggers. They've started to join the party a little bit. Intel is up a little bit now, but it was down a lot after its earnings. Like when you look at this, this is a way to play a trend. No question about it. And, you know, a properly constructed ETF where you can know what your holdings are. And obviously, most importantly, not only the holdings, but the weight of the holdings. So you can understand it gives you they've effectively done the work for you. So you're not going to capture the full upside, the parabolic move of individual names per se. But obviously, given the weightings here, you're going to get a lot of it and it'll mitigate the risk to a certain extent on the downside. So I think these are extraordinary tools. I don't know why people cast aspersions the way they do in terms of ETFs, because they provide, I think they do, they, they play a very important role in the marketplace. Now, the flip side of that coin is sometimes what winds up happening is some of the lesser names or some of the names that sort of uh, have been maybe not as vibrant or haven't done as well, they get dragged up along the way. And that's just part and parcel of what goes on. But Understanding, obviously, the components and the weightings is extraordinarily important. And then trading them uh, with that basically, you know, wide swath of names, I think it allows you to sort of sleep well at night. 
Yeah. Last point here is that, and I know a lot of professional investors um, who also find them very useful tools for hedging purposes. So like, if you look at the SMH trade that I Mm -hmm. uh, just detailed, and let's say you, you believe in the secular trend, you definitely think things have gotten a little corny here. Do you know what I'm saying? But that put spread that I just kind of articulated gives you the opportunity to possibly hedge in what I think is a fairly cheap manner, the potential for a near-term pullback. So that I'll just leave it at that. All right. Here's another sector that guy you've been really bullish on. Um, and we're seeing a lot of deal activity and this is in the energy patch, right? And so we wake up this morning and we have this deal, um, where it's, um, uh, 26, a $26 billion, uh, mm-hmm. deal. Um, talk to me a little bit about diamondback. It's buying endeavor. Um, this is what the six that we've seen in the last six months or so. And these are not insignificant deals to your point. I mean, it's a $26 billion deal that the market seemingly is enthusiastic about. And it speaks to, well, you know, if the energy industry is going away uh, vis-a-vis whatever, the rhetoric you hear or the political rantering that's out there, I mean, it's not manifesting itself in terms of the deal space. So clearly there's something happening here. Now, with all that said, you know, I think it's a very encouraging sign for the space. I think they obviously see the opportunities out there, but it's not manifesting itself in the stocks. I mean, we're looking at Diamondback right now. You see that bounce it got. Obviously, the market is enjoying this. But then the flip side of the coin is a name like ExxonMobil or any one of the three big cap integrated names, Exxon, Conoco, or Chevron, really have not performed now for the last few months. I would continue to say it's just a matter of time. I think this move in technology we just spent the last 15, 20 minutes talking about has really been putting the headwinds in front of this energy trade. I think if there is a rotation like we believe there will be, out of technology, I think energy is going to be the winner. So I think the MA just sort of galvanizes and reinforces my thoughts about the space. So Carter, talk to us. We're going to pull up two. We're going to pull up XLE. It's the large integrated, um, you know, energy select ETF. And you see that's come off its lows. It's, it's consolidating a little bit. It's Probably what you would say uh, a pair of twos. Um, it is, yeah. So get, get, yeah, give I mean, because I mean, we're all inclined. This is human condition to see things, want to see things. You do it when you lie on your back looking at the clouds. Oh, that does look like a castle or a rabbit. I mean, the truth is, uh, there's nothing here. And now that doesn't make it bad. It's all about relative. Meaning, the the great um, trades in life are finding things that are not being observed, that are not. Uh, liked or finding things that are out of favor, of course, and energy is surely out of favor. And if you look at our, our relative strength chart, um, it's just in free fall. Uh, but the chart itself, if you really could um, suspend whether Exxon's cheap or the dividend in Chevron is now above 4% or the whole sector is only uh, 3% of the S&P, less than you know NVIDIA, all the stuff that's out, and just say, is this a moment in time to buy this aggregation versus IWO. Let's look at IWO. I mean, we can flash that up on the screen. You know, IWO, which is the growth component of Russell 2000. And we'll go back and forth and let's just look at IWO. Hmm. Is that a cup and handle? Is that just now moving above intermediate tops? We press that versus back to XLE. You're like, I don't know. So all things held equal, it is a pair of twos, which is to say it also doesn't look like it has immediate downside of any kind either. And so now it's just a question of almost structural thing. Is this area, small area, whole thing being only 3.5% of the SP, is it so out of favor mm-hmm. and so uh, not embraced that it's right to take the road less traveled and buy some? 
Now that as a thesis makes sense to me, but it's the key word sum. You start small and you, you add to it on strength. Can we, can, we, can we throw up the OIH? Okay, so that's the oil services ETF. And that one, you know, is down a 30% guy, um, you know, and, and we saw some, you know, earnings out of the space that weren't particularly great. We know that SLB slob, um, you know, had a, a bad post earnings reaction. That is, you can just, you know, see the lines. You can see that downtrend um, with your eyes. Thought, thoughts there, guy, versus large integrated. Okay, so here you go. Here, and Carter may or may not back me up here, and we have not rehearsed this. So obviously, since September, you'll see a series of lower highs. As you, as your eye can see, Amanda or Jacob can draw that downtrend line. It's as clear as day. There are probably four or so points along that. And you have a series of lower lows. Same type of thing from that. So you can do that channel, and you can see. Something changed, though, this last iteration, where we traded up to that, made a lower high. We traded down, but we didn't make a lower low. And now we're starting to get back on the horse. So maybe you're starting to see, Carter, a change in trend. And maybe I'm clutching at straws, but no, no, I like to say something's changed. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't changed yet, but there's the first straw, right? The mm -hmm. first perspective data point. All it has to do is plunge to 275 in a couple of days and all that, all bets right. off. We, we watch, we observe, and then that's why you add in increments. Um, so perfectly good thesis to have a little bit, buy a little bit long. But then what if it's wrong? Buy more. Usually that's wrong. Get out. And if it starts to be right, then add. Yeah. Hey, hey guy, one, one last thing. I just want to hit this while we still have Carter and we'll, we'll all get out of here in a second. Um, Doug Cass sent us this uh, email before the show and I thought it was interesting. Um, it was from Peter Bookvar, a friend for Bleakly Advisors. It was just a one-year chart of the S&P. Pretty simple stuff. Off of the July highs when we sold off 10%, right? I think until like the September lows. You know, at the July highs, I think the S&P was uh, about 11% or so above its 200-day moving average. Mm -hmm. We're about at the same level of that, okay? And Carter, just... Thoughts on, on that, um, you know, th those sorts of relationships. Are those things that you kind of track? Is that important sure. to you? Oh, okay. Very important. Yeah, I mean, that gets to the concept of what is a mature intermediate advance, a beta adjusted, right? Uh, an industrial typically won't move like a AI name, but it's the same concept. And we have this in the market. Market's highs for many stocks are all in late July, early August. The intermediate lows are all around the last days of October. Everything's been an uptrend since. This is getting to be in the fourth, fifth month. And uh, beta adjusted, uh, you'll get just an extended name out of an Ingersoll ran. Uh, just to make a point, put that up there, right? Versus a wing stop versus uh, the market. So it, it's, it's a case where, let's say, because it's not just about trades, right? Because the biggest money of all is sitting there handling the retirement funds of all of the you know, firemen and policemen, nurses and teachers, not to mention big lawyers and bankers and doctors. It's all there being properly in custodians who do they, are they supposed to add more, uh, reduce? I think in, well, in that capacity, this is a time for, hey, let's pull our horns in a little bit. It's been a pretty good run um, for the general market. And uh, let's, uh, let's reduce, let's, let's be a little bit cautious, right? I'm with you, Dubs. You know how I feel. And while we've been sitting here again, you know, elevated VIX today in terms of what's going on, I want to be crystal clear just in the context of a market that at one point today, the S&P, I think, was up, what, Dan, like 22 or so handles or so. 
up eight handles now, but you have a VIX north of now 1360. Just something to keep an eye on. NASDAQ turned red. I don't want to make a big deal out of any of this, but the VIX to me is a bit of an outlier today. So I want to point that out. You've mentioned yields and euphoria. And then just the volume around some of these individual names suggests that you know the exuberance is there, specifically in arm holdings, which right. in terms of volume, we're going to see at least a 15 day, 15 times normal volume pull up, today. Pull up a two, pull up a two-day chart arm. I'm just going to tell you, okay. Katie Bar the what guy? If this stock, yep. mm -hmm. if this stock went down on the day, I'm just telling you, okay. And I know that sounds ludicrous, no. but it's already, it's already, it made a high of 164. It's already at 137 or whatever it is. Yeah. Like so it's not you, ludicrous. Can you imagine what would happen to the NASDAQ? I mean, we I, I listen, I actually think we are on the precipice of a three to five percent down day in the NASDAQ and the not so distant future, because there is so much concentration. And then, you know, Carter, you made this point last week on market call with all those gaps that we've seen these companies, you know, these stocks that gap to new all time highs up 10, 15% a meta or whatever. There's so much crowdedness in there with so much, you know, near-term profit. It, it just has the potential to really snowball in my opinion. Sure. Uh, right. Because <laughs> there's, there's no, one of the, there's two things that uh, that make an individual stock drop, right, or surge, um, which is news, right? You get an FDA approval, you solve cancer, you go up, right? You restate your accounting, the chairman's been indicted for taking some money out of the coffers, you go down, right? Okay, but then um, going up uh, versus going down without news, there is just like anything else, you can have a what is a, a, for whatever reason, you ever watch those, um, how a big flock of birds all of a sudden changes direction and no one knows quite why. It's not as though there had to be the lead bird said, everybody turn. It just sort of happens like the school of fish does it too. And you don't have to have a, someone scream out fire in the theater. All it has to be is like, Hey, this is slipping. I don't, I don't know. Wait, my God, wait, SMH is down now. And then someone else goes, God, we're, we, we've been pressing the leverage here. Let's pull it in. And that, but, can feed on itself just as though no one actually screamed fire, but all these people start getting up and moving quietly towards order. And then one guy runs towards order, still no screaming. And you're like, hmm, maybe I think I'll get up too, right? Uh, I didn't get the memo. Uh, you know, the floor is about to fall out. But anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Love you, CBW. And of course, right. Flock of Seagulls, one of the great bands of all. Actually, it's not true. No, it's They're not. not. By the way, I have to give a shout out, Dan, because we have to do this. We had a hat giveaway recently. And here are the recipients. I'm just going to rattle off a few names, so bear with me. Congratulations to the following. Ricardo, Callan, Soham B, Nathan O'Leary, Jordan A, Scott A, Stan Polnick, Fernando Ortegon, John Baranzelli, and Holly M. Thank you for playing our reindeer game. How about that? Like a swag giveaway from, from the Risk Versal Media podcast network all right listen guys that was a lot of fun cbw thanks for sticking in late with us we appreciate all your fine work guy is still just so excited he's had that dunk kings uh ad on a and loop. i got my mohawk going today yeah yeah ben affleck is a genius matt damon is a genius they're, they're damon was brilliant. he's always good enough yeah yeah I mean, that commercial was, it's a laugh out loud funny. And think about the good times they had making that. I'm, I love those guys. By the way, the Rangers do play tonight. Shesterkin, I believe, is in net. Rangers called up a couple big guys. 
there's something brewing in Ranger land. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm sniffing a trade over the next few days. So stay tuned, sports fans, pitchers and catchers. I think later this week or early next week. So before you know it, it's baseball season, unless you're a Met fan. Dan, it's been fun. CBW, thank you. And we All will right, see team. you folks tomorrow. Later. Very well. Yeah. Thanks. 